0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. I'm Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you once again for joining us. Happy New Year. I hope everything's getting off to a great start for you. Well, today on the Grace Point Daily Podcast, we have a very, very special guest we're going to get to right away. But before we do that, as always, I want to thank you for listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Continue to interact with us Today is episode number 30, so this is a special occasion. Uh, we're at over 1.2 thousand plays, so we appreciate all of you listening. Continue like it, share it, support it, and we're just so grateful that you continue to join us. The Grace Point Daily Podcast exists to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. Well, here we go. Today is going to be awesome. On this episode, this podcast, we have a very special guest the man, the myth, the legend, the former pastor of Grace Point Assembly, God in Carthage, Missouri, James Perkins. Welcome to the podcast jeremiah it 's good to be here today we 're grateful that you are here. Uh, part of the reason we have you on today is that next week at Grace Point, we have this conference called the Next Step Conference, and you are the featured speaker i 'm so thrilled that you ask yeah' I'm really looking forward to it <laughs> we are i hope uh, for your church pastor perkins and and again, my heart is that that God is just stirring up new things not just at Grace Point but all across our city across Uh, our nation, the world, and just believing the kingdom of God is going to be awesome in 2019. Well, this is a great place to be. Amen. So I am the new guy. I'm a new guy here in Carthage, Missouri. Uh, And Pastor Perkins was the pastor here at Grace Point. What years was that again? 1995 to 99. 95 to 99. Now let me just, we're going to dive into his story. Today is a real life story featuring James Perkins, but it's kind of funny. We got to go through our journey together here. I actually just came on staff at this church in August of this year. And it's funny, as I was coming on, I took over a pastor who had been here for 18 years. And so everyone talked just about how long that was. And so then obviously i hear i hear the history and the story of this other guy that was before him named pastor perkins or brother perkins as you know because we're spiritual so brother perkins was here prior to that so in my brain i thought well if 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 pastor graham has been here 18 years and he's 70 years old then this brother perkins guy he's he has got to be 90 uh you know so the first time i met you i was like wait well, he kind of looks like he's around maybe 50 or 50s or something like that i thought this dude was going to be 90 100 years There's old so yeah so you came here you when you were young how old did you come how um, old were you? well i i would have been uh, 40
1: 45 okay No, 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 35, 35. Okay. So younger than I am right now, you
0: came here. So anyway, I just think that's kind of interesting and fun, but man, what is that like? I mean, we're going to get into your story in a second, but what is it like to have pastored a church and now you step into, step into it again? Is it weird when you step into Grace Point? What's that like for you? Well, I, it's not that weird. Okay.
1: I, I was, I was only here four years. I've been gone a long time and, uh, it's it's a wonderful church, wonderful people, and they always make you feel welcome. So, it's good. Enjoy okay. it.
0: All right, you don't you don't come in expecting arrows to come flying no, at you. No, <laughs>
1: right? no. No. And, no, I've never had that before, so right. you know, we're good. <laughs> it's
0: the life we live as pastors. That's what I know of anyway. But that's awesome. I mean, did you ever I mean, here's what I wanted to ask, you know, on this podcast. Did did you ever consider it would be weird for me to have you as a pastor in the same town? Being the former pastor, did you well, consider me in this whole process? No, pastor I didn't. Perkins? No,
1: <laughs> when I came here, I didn't know you existed. Then. Right. <laughs> but uh, the previous pastor, the pastor before you, Brother Graham, he made me very welcome. Uh, matter of fact, I spoke with him when I was uh, considered to come to pastor the church, New Covenant Church, where I'm at now, and uh, I called him to speak to him about the possibility of it happening. Uh, really, in my own mind, thinking that if if he didn't want me to come, if he didn't think it'd be a good idea that uh, mm-hmm. i just would would pass up the possibility of it even happening but as soon as the words came out of my mouth telling him what was what was potentially go, could happen he was all over it and he was just excited about and telling me that he really wanted me to be in this town mm-hmm. and looked forward to it and so he opened up the door wide and so i've always felt welcome so uh i didn't consider it to be difficult because no one's <laughs> made it difficult for me
0: all right and i think we're getting along so far, so good, right? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we just had lunch together. We've hung out. We've prayed together. So let's. we're going to have a couple episodes with you, but I, I, one of the things that we love on this podcast is hearing the stories of people, the testimonies, the journeys. I think that is just a great way to bring encouragement to the hearts and lives of people, to hear how God moves in different ways in, in the lives of people. So let's. we're going to do that on this podcast. Talk about your story. So let's 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 break it down. Tell us your story. Well, I was raised in a Christian home uh I raised in a Pentecostal family, and uh,
1: my grandfather was an Assembly of God minister, and uh, I was very close to him. Uh, my father was very involved in the local church, uh, had been a deacon and a, uh, a Sunday school superintendent back in those days. And uh, just they was raised in a home where they really loved God, really just made not Christ wasn't part of our life. I always tell people, but he was the center of everything that we did. And the church was considered and what was going on at the church was always considered with everything that we planned for the family. So the things of God was very important to my family. And uh, when I was a teenager, I I got away from that and tried to decide to do my own thing and and kind of try some other things. And uh, it was my father, actually, that came to me. One night, I'd been out too late, and he came to me. um, And I had just got into bed, and he comes into uh, my bedroom, a rather formidable figure. He was a very large man. And as he stood with the hall light behind him and in the dark room, it was very imposing (laughs) as he walked toward my bed. I thought, I've had it. This man is going to drag me out of bed and let me know Mm -hmm. I've been keeping him up too late. But uh, he knelt beside my bed. And begged with me to get my heart right with God.
0: Wow! And you were how old at this point? Uh,
1: I would have been seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah, I was just out of high school, and uh, I remember thinking when he did that, I wish this old man would just leave me alone. Very disrespectful. <laughs> I didn't say that. I wouldn't dare say that for the sake of my life. But uh, I was very disrespectful in my in my by what I thought about what he had to say to me. And when he walked out of the room, I remember just thinking that uh, that uh, I really felt bad for the way I felt. At that moment and i asked the lord uh, lord if uh if it's if you would help me i want to come back to you uh, my heart had really gotten cold and the next week I actually i, I went to church and uh the pastor there was a very compassionate man he led me back to the lord and as it turns out that man became my father-in-law i married one of his daughters renee wow. and so wow. my father and now my father-in-law My father passed away back in 2005, but my father-in-law is still living. Jack Moore used to be the superintendent of the Southern Missouri District of the Assemblies. And uh, we are very close. He is a spiritual father to me and a great father-in-law. Wow. So but two men in my life have really uh, led me, showed mm-hmm.
0: me Christ and, and led me to serve the Lord. Was that, is that kind of descriptive of your come to Jesus moment that, that night with your dad walking in? Is that kind of your yeah, come to Jesus moment? Yeah, it,
1: it, it, it wasn't in the fact that my heart was really cold that night. Uh, I realized, but it was the moment that I realized how far I'd gone and how, how desperately I needed God if, if I had any hope of, of real, something real in my life.
0: Hmm. So a few, few parts that I found interesting as you were sharing that was the first thing is, so you really, I mean, not only did you grow up in a, a Christian environment, but what you experienced was a real, authentic Christian environment. Because I think there's, there's a difference there. You know, right. as, as I've pastored, I've, people, I grew up in Christianity, but I don't know that they saw a real model of Christianity, yeah. but it seems like you... Saw authentic yeah. faith. Well, you know, I, and I talk about
1: uh, the, the growing up in church and how my, my parents' our lives revolved around, it seemed like at times, um, around, around the local church that we attended. Uh, but I remember one occasion on the way to church one night, there was a, a young family whose car had broke down, and my parents uh, pulled over and helped them, ended up taking all of us kids. I have five brothers and sisters all all together, and they took us back home, which never happened. We never missed church, Um, but they took us back home so they could take this family to help them get their car fixed and to help them get home, which was several miles away down into South Arkansas. And they stayed close to that family for many, many years, but I saw Christ in action. Hmm. Uh, They were passionate about God, they were passionate about church, but they were passionate about people. And, and at times when when it would uh, interrupt their, if you will, your, their religious pattern of life and their religious or their church schedule, uh, people were more important to my family.
0: Yeah. And and I find that interesting now being in ministry. I think one of the interesting things that I've noticed is I'll meet a, a, a saint or, or someone who's older in age that has really, from my perspective, lived a tremendous walk with Christ, but yet they have these kids that seemingly have no desire for jesus at all and i'm like did you did you miss it did you not see it did you you know it wasn't i just find that interesting yeah
1: well a lot of good parents uh for a season at least uh, have difficult children i mean we we know the story of adam and eve they were raised in a perfect environment perfect parent perfect father god walking with them every day perfect environment and they still went bad so at times the the best of parents can have uh Children that for a season at least seem to run away from God. Wow! I'm it's... glad to say that my brothers and sisters have have all come back to the Lord. Uh, one that's, mm, is okay. still having some struggles, but but uh, but they have come back to the Lord.
0: So did you yourself? Did you always find yourself having this uh, desire for God, or did you just kind of in your brain? Did you think I hey, you know I might be in rebellion, but I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to
1: I remember from my youngest days again. I told you that my grandfather was was a, uh, a Pentecostal preacher, a minister down in the down around uh, south of Branson, Hollister, Missouri areas where he was where he was uh, from mostly. And um, I remember from my earliest days him speaking to me about that one day I would grow up and be a preacher. Now, I don't know if he was speaking as a, as a prophet or if he was just joking with me. Uh-huh. I look back at it now, it was almost like he was just kidding me a lot. But every time he would talk to me about that, it's something I gravitated toward. toward. As soon as uh, I came back to the Lord and my father-in-law, the father-in-law-to-be became my pastor, I started getting involved in everything that had to do with ministry i uh i was uh, I was involved in it Rather turning the lights on at the church <laughs> you know or making sure the heat was set. I was involved in every any area I could serve, I just began serving, so the things of the, of of the church and things of the kingdom have always been uh, a passion of mine
0: wow two things from that. Number one, what would you say? Now, it's a different dynamic for me. I I share this a lot. Being a first-generation Christian, my wife grows up in this great Christian home, multi-generational Christian family involved in ministry, etc. But now having kids of my own that are Christians, growing up in a Christian environment, in some ways that scares me a little bit because I want to make sure that that their faith is real, it's authentic, it's not just based off of their father's Religion or form of religion, but they have an authentic relationship with Jesus and an experience, encounter. What would you, if you could sit my girls down and my boys, what would you tell them? I would, I would simply tell them from what I've perceived and just knowing you
1: the last couple of months is always look at your father's heart. Uh, I, I, I can see that there's a real father's heart more than just the the involvement in in church activity and doing things for the church and for other people. Uh, it's not uh, it's not just something you do it's really a part of who you are. You have a, a, a strong passion to to serve the Lord and I think if children would see that and if as parents we'd let our children see uh, how how God has really healed our heart uh, and how God has helped us in our in our weaknesses as well as given us strengths, how God has been faithful to us and how God is just a a great father to us. If our children could see our love for the father, they learn how to to react and how to walk with their earthly father.
0: Yeah, amen. I think an interesting point that you brought up there just a minute ago, which I've tried to communicate people, because one of the things I've never, for me, since I got saved, I've never struggled in terms of calling or what I'm supposed to be or what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, And I'm not saying that arrogantly, but what happened when I got saved, the first thing I did is I just started serving in church. I mean, I was at church all the time, just serving, just, just doing everything that I could do. I mean, I was there hours uh, a week and, and just, it, so I never struggled in finding myself because it felt like I just was naturally where I needed to be. And so now even as a pastor, sometimes I tell people, you know, what's my calling, man? What's my purpose? I just don't know. And I'm just like, just start serving, J- right. just serve, just Serve people, serve church. Anytime there's, anytime the church needs help, just say yes. And it's amazing how just by serving, that that I found myself, and I think other people would find themselves a lot easier if they would just do that. And it sounds like kind of that was yeah. a natural flow for yeah. you as well. I had a young man come to my office uh, not that long ago, and
1: was really complaining about his what his call was, but he was he was doing it in a complaining way. He was very dissatisfied with where his life was going. And uh, I just kind of stopped him, and I said, "Uh, do you have a few minutes? I need to run an errand. Would you go with me? And uh, I had a method to my madness, and he didn't see it. But I took him to one of the uh, senior care facilities here in town. And we went and we visited one of the ladies of the church that lives there. And she comes, she, she got a ride every Sunday and was brought to church and still able, she was still mobile, but she lived in a care facility. And we sat and visited with her a while and we laughed and she told stories and we told stories and just had a great visit with her and some other people there at the, uh, the nursing home. And then we got in the car and was going back to the church and as we were we were on the way back to the church, this is when the method of my madness finally dawned on him. I asked him, how are you, How are you feeling? You were really upset when we first met today. How are you feeling right now? He said, man, I feel great. And I just looked at him. He looked at me, and he realized what, what had happened. When you serve others, when you minister to others, it's not about what what's my calling, what What am I supposed to do. It's find a way to serve other people, and, and the, the rest of it may, may
0: sound simplistic, but it'll take care of itself. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I, one time I heard it really helped me out. This this uh, definition of discipleship, discipling other people or discipling someone is just helping them. Yes. it's just helping them follow Jesus. Yes, and it's and even for me, uh, you know, being a pastor, I've I've said this statement before. I'm trying to find I'm trying to fall more in love with Jesus and less in love with being a pastor every day, because yes. yes. a pastor is uh, is just a title. It's just a job. That's not the core of who I am. Yes. My mission is to know him and to make him known to other people. Yes. I Don't need to be a pastor to do that. Don't need a microphone. Don't need a pulpit. Don't need a guitar. Don't need. I, I mean, all those things are fun. I like all those things, but they they're not that really the definition of who I am. Yeah. So you get saved. You kind of have this moment where you come to Jesus. You're back in the groove. This is as a young adult now. Where's life go from there?
1: Well, I was attending a church in Springfield, and my again, my father-in-law was was the pastor at that time, and uh, I just began, as I said, to begin. To, I began to serve, and then I would begin to give my testimony at church. And uh, back in those days, I used to sing quite a bit, and I started singing specials as we, we did in church in those days. And uh, I would have people start start telling me, have you ever considered that God might have a call in your life? Well, in the back of my mind, I was still hearing things my grandfather had said <laughs> to me. and So that was always kind of a, an inner, a, a real desire of mine. Um, but I really wasn't sure that's what God wanted me to do. And uh, so that, that went on for a little while until I, I finally decided, well, I'm just going to go to Bible college. And so I went to Central Bible College in Springfield and uh, was there and and, and got my, my degree. And after I had my degree, I had a church call me, a presbyter call me from Central Missouri. And I went to pastor a church in a town, Tipton, Missouri, First Assembly of God. And that became my ch- first church. But I always struggled was, am I really called? Um, because it seemed like it was kind of so just natural, uh, it was the natural thing to do It was okay. just, just yeah. the the doors opened for me and uh, and uh, I just kind of w- stepped into it, and so it wasn 't this light you know from heaven that came down mm-hmm. and, and, and and called me in and, and no defining moment. But I, but I struggled with that for a while, thinking that, well, maybe I'm not called. Maybe this isn't really. And especially if I would hit a, a difficulty, as we all do at some yeah. point, uh, every so often you're going to have a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, you're going through a few struggles. And you begin to wonder, am I really doing what God wants me to do? Hmm. And I remember a, a moment that was very defining for me. I was actually in the church there that I was pastoring, our first church, and I was having a struggle. Uh, things weren't going like I would like for them to like for them to go. And uh, I was thinking about quitting, wondering not if, whether whether I was called and struggling with that. God, just tell me, am I called? And I felt, you know, it wasn't audible, but I felt this witness in my heart that it was the Lord asked me this question. I just felt this question being asked is that, well, James, how would you feel if I told you you weren't called? And my immediate response was say, God, I would be so disappointed.
0: <laughs> and as soon as uh-huh. I
1: said that, the loving Heavenly Father he says, "You know, I gave you that desire for a purpose, hmm. and I, and I've never, never doubted it since then. Never had an I've I've had other struggles at right. times, but <laughs> yep. I, and and, and I doubted the way I've done things uh, at times. But as far as the call of God, I have never doubted that I was doing what God called me to do."
0: Wow. Did you feel, now your dad is, uh, excuse me, father-in-law. Well, your family was in ministry, et cetera. Your father-in-law is a pastor, a superintendent. If you don't know what that is, it's just someone who's really important in the sons of God, right? (laughs) Did did you feel pressure throughout the years in regards to that or? Never, never pressured. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So here you are. So that, uh, you dive into ministry, you start pastoring and you've now uh, been in ministry how long? Well,
1: it would have been since 1988 was my first uh, pa- pastor in the first church. So it's been, what, 30 years? Okay. 31 years.
0: And I feel like God, for many of us, He there. there's going to be staples or mantras or anthems that really flow out of us, even though maybe times and seasons change, our age changes. But there's these things that God puts inside of us that are consistent, that are... The, the passions what are what are some of those that you feel now this many years into the game person so to speak that god is continuing to speak out of you that like this is my passion man this is like one of the thing that over and over i find myself declaring speaking yeah, teaching yeah. people well i and i, I have always considered myself a, a you
1: know called to pastoral ministry but at the same time uh I, I have a real passion to see God move in this generation. I think every generation uh, has the opportunity, the the open door to to see a spiritual, something happens. We call it a revival or renewal, Mm -hmm. but something happened in our culture that is so... Uh, so obviously something that God has done, not something that man has built or, or not a Tower of Babel kind of thing where we're able to do it without God, but something that is so blessed by God and so marked by his presence and lives being changed that 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 we have an opportunity in our generation to be a part of. And uh, it has been my passion to convey that not only to my generation, now I've been doing it long enough, I'm trying to convey that also to the generation that's following me.
0: Awesome. Let's close on this question. We're going to dive into another uh, episode after this. And so for the those of you that are listening, a couple more, at least a couple more episodes here, a couple more podcasts with uh, Pastor Perkins. Here's my take on where what I'm going to ask you is where do you think we're at as a church today, at least in America and our culture? Here's kind of my take is we were a, what was this, a month ago, two months ago, roughly a month or two ago, we were at a youth convention for the Assemblies of God, and we were took our youth there. I had the chance to go. My wife's leading up the youth at our church right now, and and I wanted to go check it out. And I still, I'm a youth pastor at heart. I still believe to this day in many ways. But uh, you know, it was awesome. It was in a great facility. It was a very large church. You go in, and the environment's hot. You know, it's. Um, great music and you know media and you know 10 minutes before the service DJ comes out throwing down the beats we're all having a great time jumping around you know that ends you know 5 minute countdown or excuse me 5 minute countdown into the DJ we transition into you know great music yeah we're all we all run to the front we jump around we have a great time you know media transition into a speaker media transition out of that into you know a, a cool video media transition out of that bumper into great speaker we We know as the speakers concluding, the lovely melodic music begins to play. The worship band enters on the stage secretly. They begin to play with the music. You know, then we all come to the altar again. And I was sitting there at the altar and I'm not trying to be negative. I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to be Mr. Hater. But I sat there thinking like, wow, I think we think we really got to figure it out. I think we, we are at a point where we think we know how to do church really really good yeah that if we have the right building the right facility the right media the right speaker the right band and we just package it all right we got this so like we we got the formula and i felt like at the altar God saying i'm getting ready to obliterate that i'm getting ready to demolish that because what you think is awesome church is not always what i think awesome church is and I don't mean that God's going to like, we're not going to stop doing that stuff because right. I, we're, we're, on a, we're on a podcast right now. You know, I believe in technology. I believe in going forward. I believe in progressing as a church. I believe in engaging our culture, but I do believe in many ways that God is getting ready to crush the church and make something new. Am I off on that or what no, do you think? I, I, think you're,
1: <laughs> I, I don't think you're off off at all. I, I do believe, and I, I think most people would agree with this, that this generation, this tech, technological generation or whatever you might say, it, uh, what you're describing here as far as we've got this figured out is not unique or new to this generation. Uh, this has always been around. We've always relied upon what we already know and what we've already done, what's worked in the past. Uh, once something works twice, it becomes, whether you want to admit it or not, it tends to become a tradition. This is the way it should be done because this is what works. And we, when we find something that works, we start gravitating to that. And if we're not careful, it's not to say we shouldn't do mm-hmm. things that work. Obviously we should, yeah. but our gravitation should always be toward the heart of God. What is God saying? What is God doing? Uh, what is going on with, with, within a, a person or a group of people's heart, um, and the The focus being upon uh the presence of the Lord and his ability his his love for people uh I was, as we were talking a few moments ago, he really wants to be your friend uh Jesus was a friend to those disciples, and he really wants to be your friend hmm. and if we ever lose sight of that and start saying well i'm part of a I'm part of a production, well we're part of a family
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think God in some ways is I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right way. say if this makes sense to some people, I think God is getting ready to raise up some spiritual Airbnbs. And so there's these companies now, these apps that five, 10 years ago, they didn't exist. And they've just all of a sudden came onto the scene. And now you have like, I'm using Airbnb example. For example, they are a company that has just existed within the last five or so years. They now have more rooms available than any of the largest hotel chains You have companies like Sears that are, you know, all these companies that have existed and kind of stayed the same way for so long. And now out of nowhere, these technological companies and apps are shooting up. Um, and, And so what I'm trying to say is I believe that the Holy Spirit is once again wanting to release unique creativity within the context of the body of Christ to do new things. So for churches, I'm just trying to give encouragement to individuals and to churches saying, you know, don't chase the structure that you see that you, that, that we often look at, right? I mean, we right. look at in certain areas. I, I make no bones about it. Like we're here in Southern Missouri. I tell our church all the time. We can easily just look at James River Church and just try to copy everything that they do because right. they're the biggest and the best. Cut and paste. But there's, uh, and there, there's things to be admired and taken from, but yet there's a uniqueness that the Holy Spirit wants to release in the individual hearts and lives and churches all across the world. And so I'm just saying, you know, don't, uh, th- th- there's things to be valued and taken from, but allow the Holy Spirit to uniquely release something in you and your church and your generation that, that might just be that might be the new thing right. that everyone else wants right. might be the new thing. And for God to do to move for revival to come, we have to let God do something new, right? Revival isn't going to come by doing the same thing. And just with an additional feeling on top of that, look at every great revival to pass, which you're probably more, Indoctrinated, and in this is every great revival. There was a there was a shift in the church. It wasn't just like right. we changed the order of service. Exactly, it was like no, like there was a shift in in everything. Yes. So that's what I'm believing for. Well, uh,
1: the tr- the real truths of of the kingdom of God of the teaching of Jesus Christ are always lived on a local level, and they're always lived on a personal level. You can't farm out. Kindness. You can't farm out generosity. It's got to be lived on a familial family and, and with your neighbors on a local level. So it has to work here. Uh, it's not about trying to do what someone else is doing at a church across town or uh, something you see streamed in on the airways. It has to work in my life, in my home.
0: Yeah. And we're here. We're, we're getting a little bit away from your story. I apologize for that. We're Sorry. getting into pastoral church talk now. So 2019. I said this the other day, 2019 could be the year that you don't taste death. It could be the year Jesus comes back. 2019 could be the year that you taste death for me, for you, for anyone. Right. It's your last year on planet earth 2019. One of those two scenarios happen, whatever. What's, what's your, you know, if you're, if this was your last year, what would, what would you want to release? What would you speak into the life of the church, into the life of people? I would just
1: want to release uh, what, uh, what the Lord has put in my heart—just uh, His His love for others, His His His, his care uh, f- for His church, and um, just uh, the, the passion of God, the love of God.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing your story with us. I know that's going to encourage people; it's going to lift them up. And we're so grateful. We didn't really get into your specific time here at Grace Point, but along that journey, along the chronological journey of your life, God brought you here to Grace Point to release some of those things uh, into the hearts and lives of people. And we're extremely grateful for that. I know I've talked to multiple people, multiple people, and I'm not exaggerating, that came up to me and said, you know, when Pastor Perkins was here, that is the greatest time of growth in my spiritual life. Well, it was a tremendous time. It was only four years, but it was a great time of
1: personal change for me as well. And God was really speaking some things into my life. And uh, we kind of grew in some areas together while I was here.
0: Yeah, so I was like, well, what does that mean for me? Like, are you saying, like, you're putting pressure on me here? No, just kidding. The best is yet to be. (laughs) We are grateful to hear your story. Thank you for listening to the Grace One Daily Podcast. Check us out next episode. Pastor Perkins is going to be back with us once again. But thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time. We'll